0: Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you
1: a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening.
0: The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. boots. There's nothing more satisfying than picking, cooking and eating something that you've grown in your very own vegetable garden. Through this pandemic, we have seen so many new gardeners try their hand at growing their own produce for the very first time, and I think that has been one of the really positive things that has come out of this otherwise difficult time. Now, for anyone who doesn't have one, starting a vegetable patch isn't, I should say, isn't a difficult thing to do. And I am going to hand over to Keith to tell us exactly how to get one started. Keith.
1: G'day. G'day. Well, <laughs> well look. The first thing you need to do is, is, um, work out where you're going to get the most sunlight for your garden. Um, a vegetable garden really requires, you know, minimum of, uh, five hours, but preferably six and more hours in order to get, um, you know, as much growth happening to those particular plants. Because most of those plants are annuals or some some are, can be perennials. Yep. So. They've got a short growing period, so we need to think about just where we're going to put, put that, um, that vegetable garden.
0: And for those who don't have a spot that gets that much sun, uh, what are the alternatives? I mean, there are, there are vegetables that you can grow that get a little less sun. I know oh, it's not yes. ideal, but...
1: Yes. No, there's not. I mean, there'll, there'll, something will always happen, and, and if you've got a situation where you don't get an enormous amount of sunlight, then perhaps um, you, know, you might think about doing some pot um, yeah. Gardening, you know, gardening in pots where you can move them around a little bit, yeah. um, you know, according to where the sun travels, or vertical gardening. Yep. The Most interesting sort of things that I noticed about gardening was was the way that the French do their uh, their gardening, and that is in a form that they call the potager, which oh, yeah. is planting within the lawn. For instance, mm. you have a nice big lawn area, mm. and rather having it just as all set up as lawn, they they can dig that that uh, grass out. And improve the soil, and then plant into that. And when they do that, they generally make it quite a geometric sort of a, yes. a shape, so that it looks really, really interesting.
0: Yes. Is it circular? Is it sort of a circular? Yeah, it shape, can be circular. So with with
1: with um with sort of triangles coming off that, and little pathways in between.
0: Yeah, which is gorgeous. I've looks seen that. Fabulous. Heronswood in Victoria. We've seen yes. that they do a fantastic pot. Is it potager? Potager. 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 Yeah. potager. Which
1: means just means a, a French picking garden. Uh huh. That's all that means yeah
0: yeah great idea. but
1: so there's lots of ways of doing it and if you're just starting then that's possibly one of the best ways to to, to go about it
0: the potager
1: is yeah well yeah it or growing in your lawn you know rather than having the lawn um, there get rid of it pull and, the lawn uh, out and and put a, a veggie bed in there and okay. try that
0: because usually the lawn I suppose is the most open area isn't it in a garden is. so that's where it the sun's going to go yeah
1: because generally behind that you have, your, you know, your other gardens up against the fence line. True. So that's a terrific area. Good idea. So there's lots of different ways of, of having a vegetable garden. So, we, you know, the potager is growing straight directly down into the dirt in, in the lawn areas um, where they've removed the lawn. <clears throat> Another great way of, of doing it is with um, raised beds. Mm. Um, and if you, you, of course, have seen the raised beds in my backyard, which are all constructed by Modbox. They just make it easy for old people yeah. like me. <laughs> I was about to say that. As we get
0: older, <laughs> we don't have to bend down so much.
1: No, so they're it's raised really and high. they've got a lovely little um, little seat basically that goes all the way around so I can put my little bum on there and and, 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 and plant and mm. do all the bits and pieces, harvest and 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 all the rest right from yes, that. Yes, yeah. lovely,
0: lovely idea. And they're yeah. becoming much more popular, I
1: think. They're becoming incredibly popular.
0: And then you don't have to worry about the soil that's in your garden or that in your lawn because you're actually putting – Brand new soil, etc., into those raised beds. Correct.
1: It is, and that's sometimes one of the hardest things. It's easy to build the boxes, mm. but filling them is where you you really come up with a lot oh, of you mean
0: physically physical, physical work. You know, you've got to
1: barrow that in and tip it in and go and get some more. That's True,
0: but once it's in, you know that it's the you've done got the right recipe, and that's something obviously you're going to talk hopefully about. yes
1: yeah yeah. Um, and and it was a lesson that I've learned. You know, I I, I bought some vegetable growing. A media from a couple of different, um, local suppliers, and both of those were absolutely shocking because the pH was just too high.
0: Well, those suppliers shouldn't be supplying, should they? Anyway. No, they shouldn't
1: be. And there's been a lot of, lot of controversy happening about that, mm. um, recently within the industry. Yeah. But, um, once you get onto a reputable supplier, and, and, and we've done that now with, um, Clyde, Clyde Compost. compost.
0: Thank you, Clyde Compost.
1: And thanks, Vince. His mixes are just absolutely superb. And Modbox, who, that's all they do now is they go around and build build these raised beds everywhere mm. and they use a particular timber called Colitris, which yep. is an Australian FFC pr- approved, so it's a sustainable industry or a, stra- a sustainable timber. Fantastic. Modbox is now using all of Clyde Compost to fill his oh, beds. So he knows together. that when he's finished that build, walks away, and he knows that those plants are going to grow successfully.
0: And something like Modbox, the material they use is long-lasting, isn't it? Because I know that people are, are, are building all sorts, building raised beds from all sorts of things which won't necessarily last no, that's right. particularly well, which is a big old waste of time. Even
1: having said that, Modbox is still aligned with, with the plastic to keep the soil away from the timber so that they will last for up to 30, 40 years. Fantastic. But uh, Modbox uses food-grade uh, plastics, right. which is written on the on the the actual thing, and that's affixed to the side walls of of all these boxes, mm. so that there's um, you know there's there's no leaching of any nasties Nasty coming out of any of those materials. things. Materials, yeah, that's good. So a lot of the other ones that have, have come on board are problematic, and one of the most problematic ones I, I've come across uh, raised beds that have they've used a corrugated metal.
0: Mm, um, yes, they're quite trendy,
1: actually. They're very trendy, and um, th- the problems that I that I've noticed with those is that they're fine during the, during the, uh, the the winter months when you put the seedlings in, mm. um, because it's metal, it heats up with the sun, mm. so the roots tend to go across to where the metal attracted is attracted
0: to the metal, yeah, um, and to get the warmth, you know,
1: increase the the plant's size and volume. However, the problem with that is, is the middle of summer mm. when we get these enormous heat days of you know 35, 40 degrees. Mm. you know, On that metal, burns, burns the roots the root. which are sitting in behind them. Oh. So you know it's.
0: So that a bit need of a to be. Thing. They need to be lined. Well, they're not. That's. I mean, is that going to work?
1: No, it doesn't work. You know, I mean it, that they might look good, but um, metal would be probably one of the last things that I'd be building um, mm. okay. some uh, beds out of.
0: Well, that's good to know because, as I said, you yeah. see them everywhere.
1: You do. Um, mm. I had. a have got a, a follower from um, WA mm. and. All his raised beds are using old concrete pipes. You know the the great big pipes that they for drainage and all yes, those sorts of things. Yeah. So big diameter pipes mm. with you know all made out of concrete. Uh, all reinforced, and then he fills those up. And because it's a, a stone material, they don't heat up anywhere near as oh. much as the, the other steel okay. types.
0: So that's a good idea. Yeah. That's good for new people who are interested in, in building vegetable gardens because you don't want to use something that's not going to work for you. No. A waste of time.
1: And then you've got other people that um, – look at cheap ways of doing things. So they might uh, go down to the big green warehouse and they buy timber that they know is going to last for a short period of time, such as uh, treated pine. And treated pine... The word treated says that it's been, you know, it's got, got some materials put into it. Yeah. Uh, nowhere near as toxic as, as they used to be. Good. But they've still got toxins in them. Mm. And one of the problems with uh, treated pine is that you might get five or six years out of it and then they start to rot away, even mm. if you put plastic on them. Right. Uh, they do start to rot away. And everywhere you make a cut on a treated pine piece of timber, you need to treat that cut. Yes. Because it's not treated. No. All right, so that's where, you know, you get inherent problems with it. And a lot of people use um, what's called builder's plastic. Right, yeah. Which is a, like a sheet you can buy from the big green warehouse and they line that inside those beds. Mm. And the problem with that is that that's leaching out all sorts of nasties and chemicals and all sorts into your, into your food chain. Okay. And that's the last thing you want.
0: Yeah, Okay.
1: And then the, some worse than that. Yes. I've that's seen worse. some people worse than this one. I've seen some people actually use old car tyres. Oh. So they, they stack up two or three or four car ties and fill it with, you know, soil and so forth or potting mix and they grow into that. Uh, what they're not understanding there is that those car ties are leaching out cadmium, mercury, lead. Mm and all the other carcinogenic nasties. Oh, dear. So not a good, not a good build okay. for a, a vegetable bed.
0: A great lesson on raised garden beds. Thank you very much for that, Keith. Moving on to the soil. That is really, really, really important. Absolutely. If we are doing a potager, potager, whatever you call mm-hmm. it, garden, yep. and you're digging into your own soil, mm-hmm. what do we do?
1: I always go on the basis of, of when you harvest, harvest your last crop, Think about what you're going to be putting in there, mm-hmm. because sometimes poor soils are brilliant for other vegetables. I mean, for carrots, vegetable. for instance. Yes, yes, yes. So we've, if you've got a, a bed that you've just pulled out broccoli or, or um, tomatoes, then carrots going into those beds will grow beautifully. They won't fork, or we, you know, mm. have any sort of ugly-looking,
0: strange-looking carrots. <laughs> <shapes>. <laughs> exactly. But if exactly. we, but if we're going to, if it's if it's brand new though, and yes. you're digging into your, you've dug out your grass. Mm-hmm. And you've got your soil down there, which is probably not in you know not necessarily it hasn't really had any attention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We need to add compost.
1: Absolutely, that's the first big thing, yep. isn't it? Compost. There's some other beautiful add- additives, and you know we push the, some of these additives, uh, such as uh, sea mungus. Mm-hmm. That's also great for giving that garden bed some structure. But compost is the key to it all, and that's the thing that you should be putting in. Every time you after every time you've harvested from those beds, then give them it revitalize them with some more compost.
0: Except if you put in carrots in. And
1: then put your, Yeah, except when you put in carrots <laughs> in. <laughs> yes. And then um and then mulch them over the top yeah. you know, with something like either Hooflung flung dung, which we, we're a yeah. big fan of. Yes, we are. Um or pea straw other mulch. Pea straw lucerne. Lucerne. And yep, that's, and that's right. another subject. That's
0: another podcast down exactly. the track. It is, definitely. Okay, so once we've got the soil in we come to the seeds and the seedlings do we plant seeds do we plant seedlings is that a, that's a big yeah topic of, of its own
1: and most most instances when you when you buy a packet of seeds it'll actually tell you whether you sow those seeds directly, directly or, or whether you sow them into punnets grow them on and then plant them in okay you don't go sowing seeds that have root crops such as carrots mm-hmm. beetroot parsnips you don't grow those into a into a seed raising mix and then um and, and then you know pull them out and replant them into your beds because you're going to damage the root.
0: Okay, right. Yeah yeah.
1: But if you've got things like um broccoli, then they're best sown into a into a cell or into um a seed raising mix and grown on. Tomatoes are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh sweet corn, that's direct sown, but generally the packet's um will tell you whether, you know, you sow into or whether you direct sow.
0: Great. Okay. So the information is quite clear on the, on the packets. Exactly. Just follow the packets. Yep. Okay. And as a rule, for someone who's a beginner, I mean, I would probably, if I was a beginner I'd probably want to go out and get some seedlings so, so, mm-hmm. that, so that I know that sort of the, the, the early bit has been done for me. Yes. And, and pop them into the ground.
1: Look, it's a great way to start because a lot of people, a lot of people have this inherent fear about sowing a seed And,
0: uh, you can't see it. No, you can't. And and a lot of
1: people don't understand, don't don't understand the process that, you know, we need to sort of get through for all that. So seedlings are a great way to build up your confidence. Mm, Um, I always recommend that you sow according to the moon calendar and then you are guaranteed success. And I, Correct. Can't say that often enough.
0: I know, and I agree with you totally. I agree with you totally, and hopefully our listeners have actually followed, listened to our Moon Calendar podcast, which gives you a lot of information about Absolutely. that. Absolutely, And it is amazing. It really is amazing how it works so well. What do we plant and when?
1: Well, all <laughs> that is dependent upon the seasons. Yes. All right. You know, you, you won't you be planting all your brassicas, for instance, um, probably after you see that, that stinking rotten white butterfly disappear, mm. you want to be getting those, those sorts of seeds. Mm. So during your winter period, you have your brassicas all in and going. So you've got your collies, your cabbages, your broccoli, um, silver beets, spinaches, all those sorts of things mm. that, that nasty little, fella with the white wings would be coming around laying looks eggs cute, on Looks cute but isn't as He's cute a as mongrel, it looks. Absolute mm-hmm, mongrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, if you're going to be sowing from seed tomatoes, then you'd be sowing those in late uh, winter. Right. So we're, we're going to be sowing our tomato seeds during the high growth period in July mm-hmm. and then we will pot those up and continue to pot them up until um, – Probably October, and then they will go into the ground, right. and that's all dependent upon the soil temperature as well. So we're looking for a, an eighteen degrees Celsius soil temperature for tomatoes to go in.
0: And for the benefit benefit of the listeners, Keith has a lovely hot house at home. You call yes. it a hot house, greenhouse,
1: little hot house, yeah. hot house.
0: So he has. So he and his wife are constantly sowing seeds and and doing all sorts of things with because they have this lovely because they can control the temperature. I mean, we can. with that and with your seed. Uh, mats Mat. that you have, mm-hmm. which has, is con- is like electrical. Yeah, so, so that
1: that provides a constant temperature um, at the base for those seeds to to germinate and get going and get you know get cracking and be yeah. happy.
0: Uh, well, now fertilizers. Yes, that's another thing we need to discuss, Keith.
1: Yes, if you're going to be fertilising, the last last one you you would pick up at the big warehouse is uh, one that that doesn't say the word organic. Mm-hmm. So if it hasn't got the word organic on it, you don't buy it. No, get rid of it. Yes, you really need a well composted fertilizer. So I keep we keep on going back to some of the Nutrog range. So mm. Gigantic is, mm. is a is a ripper uh, one for the vegetable patch. Also, the uh, rooster booster or the, the, the chook manure, they're also great. They provide a bit of structure and a bit of oomph for the, the plants as well. If you're going to use blood and bone, blood and bone should go in at least two to three months before you go planting yes. because that's got to be converted from what it is into an enzyme that's mm. going to be make it a, be made available to the plants. Okay. It takes a long while for the microbes to work in through that. Okay. So the best food you can give your plants in actual fact is going to be straight out compost yeah. it's just got everything there that those plants require mm-hmm. and then a little bit of a liquid feed later yeah, on once they're up and going yep. and once again try to pick your uh, your organic ones charlie carp makes a fabulous organic fertilizer mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably the one that i use the most me too yeah Great.
0: Yeah, it's great when you stick it on the end of the hose and just spray, spray away. Spray it in. And it's really exactly. quite easy to do, very easy to do. Well, that's fantastic. Now, companion planting is another thing I wanted to ask you about.
1: Yeah. Um, there are so
0: many things that we really need to consider. So companion planting is, is something that's pretty good. It's important because yeah, that's look, organic. It's organic. organic.
1: It's, it's, it's an association that um, that these plants have with one another. So it's a symbiosis. It's a symbiotic relationship. And marigolds with tomatoes, for instance, are, are, are terrific to work with. Mm. You know, they're just sensational mm. in that respect. And the colour—that's the so colour's pretty. gorgeous. They make the garden yep. look so pretty yep. too. Otherwise, you know, it's it's a big b- boring forest of tomatoes without a bit of colour in there, mm, isn't mm, it? Mm. <laughs> no, I
0: think it's a fantastic yeah. idea. So they're
1: probably they're probably the ones that, that I like to sort of grow together. For instance, if you're growing sweet corn. Then once the sweet corn gets up and the, and the the uh, the corns have, have have sort of developed themselves, then you can either plant climbing beans or climbing peas at the base mm-hmm. of your sweet corn. Okay, and that's a yes. bit of companion planting yes. as well. Yes, because those peas uh, are drawing down nitrogen and working with the microbes in the soil mm. to create nitrogen mm-hmm. um, for, that is available to the plants that are in the soil. Mm. You know all mm. the roots and si- the root system that's there.
0: And you're making the most of the, the, the area too, making the most of the, the oh, garden absolutely. space that you have, which is fantastic. So, yeah. And I've seen you do that with other things as well, where you planted lettuce. You've, I think with your tomatoes, I think you, you, you remove the lower leaves at a certain point and then you put lettuce on it. Was it with the tomatoes? Yes,
1: you can do tomatoes in underneath there as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Great idea. Great, Great idea. idea. <laughs> we are going to run out of time soon, but before we go, I cannot possibly let the opportunity pass to give a little plug to a vegetable and herb planting guide that I created with my sister-in-law and artist Lisa Kingman. It's a really handy planning guide for Victorian gardeners, only Victorian gardeners at the moment, in the form of either a print or a tea towel. And if you'd like to know more, please go to gardengirl.com.au. Sorry about the plug, Keith, but I had to put it in. It's a ripper. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it looks fantastic. You can stick it on the wall. You can frame it. You can do all sorts of things. It's, it's a beautiful presentation. So Aww. great presence for someone too.
0: Yeah, thank you, Keith. It is. And you can watch, you can also dry your dishes with it as well at the same time while you're deciding what <laughs> to plant Exactly. So I will post some pics on our Muddy Boots podcast Instagram page of that as well. Terrific. Thank you, Keith. That's great information. Go out and plant your veggie garden if you haven't already and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.